Well, last time I talked to the people from downtown. What was the last movie you went to? Miguel, what's new? Miguel, what's new in the community? Have you gotten any feedback about the Twitter feed? First of all, for the people who contact us on Twitter. About a certain research. Can you tell me more? Well, depends who you talk if you talk to the people from the board. Why did the yogurt go to the art museum? Welcome to another episode of the Community Board Podcast with your host Miguel Valdez and today I'm here with Dr. Kenneth Poole Jr. Doctor, welcome to Rochester. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, I would like to get to know you first so also our audience get to know you a little bit. Um, Doctor, where are you from originally? Uh, originally from St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. Yep. So... What's your team? Football or baseball? Baseball, without question, is the St. Louis Cardinals. Football is the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, okay. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so they, they were they were in St. Louis until 1987 or 1988. So that was that was my team as a child. Okay. Yeah, and now I'm at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona. So back with them. Okay. Oh, that was yeah, nice, that, nice uh, transition. There you go. Yeah. Hey. Um, Doctor, I was fortunate to attend to your presentation today at Mayo Clinic about a topic that in these days, and I guess there has always been a bias. Sure. I think as a humans, we all have bias. Correct. But you talk about a topic that sometimes is really sensitive, especially when it comes down to somebody's care, and you talk about uh, bias in the healthcare. Can you tell us a little bit about your background as your all the research you've been do- doing and a little bit about the presentation that you Certainly. offered today? Certainly. So um, by way of background, um, I'm a general internal medicine physician, work at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona. Um, there I am also on the admissions committee for the medical school there. I hold two uh, main administrative roles uh, within Mayo Clinic, uh, first being uh, being head of patient experience or the medical director of patient experience for the Mayo Clinic in Arizona. The second is that I'm over the health information coordinating subcommittee for the Mayo Clinic Enterprise, and that's the subcommittee that deals with the policy and compliance part of information technology. Um, so today I gave a lecture on uh, bias in healthcare. Um, and what I discussed was uh, explicit and implicit bias as it pertains to not only the way in which healthcare or uh, the way in which bias is projected onto patients on behalf of the healthcare team, but also on the way in which bias is protected is projected onto the healthcare team from patients, and then also how we influence one another uh, through bias. And. When you say when it comes down to from the patients towards the bias towards the the provider, what uh, uh, studies do you research or why you've been part of? A- sure. So so a lot of the the research um, and the data on patient experiences out there has to deal with uh, patients. Uh, from certain groups having a less than ideal experience um, with the healthcare system, uh, particularly underrepresented minorities, uh, Latinos, African Americans. 
Um, and so uh, what I sought to, to, to look at was um, what about um, uh, providers and how they are uh, judged um, from patients? And, and is there a difference between how a black provider, uh, say, versus a white provider is evaluated on the basis of patient experience from a patient? So the patients leave the clinic room, they give it a... A little survey where you, they ask them, hey, how about your experience uh, with this doctor? And that uh, says the black patients uh, usually has a higher percentage, correct, of uh, white providers? Sure. So, so, so um, the way in which everything is set up is once a patient has an encounter with us at Mayo Clinic, whether it be inpatient or outpatient, mm -hmm. they are then made eligible for a patient satisfaction survey okay. that uh, is distributed via an independent outside vendor that we partner with. And so um, we try to send it to as many patients as we can. We usually end up getting about a 30% response rate. So about okay. a third of the patients that receive the surveys end up sending them in. Um, and where we looked at things specifically in Arizona was um, in the African-American providers or the black providers in Arizona, we saw that when they saw black patients, their scores were significantly high okay. when they saw white patients, uh, which are the majority of the patients that we see uh, at the, the Mayo Clinic in Arizona. When we saw white when, when the black providers saw white patients, their scores were significantly lower, um, and so there was a large discrepancy um, that was significant in between. Um, Uh, when the black providers saw a, a patient that was of the same race uh, or ethnicity versus when they did not. Okay. Um, I'm going to share something personal. Sure. Um, I just had my annual checkup. I haven't had one in five years. And since I didn't have a, a primary doctor, they assigned me one. Sure. And once I saw the doctor coming in, it was a younger doctor. Mm -hmm. Immediately. I had a, like, oh, he's a young doctor. Sure. You know, in the past, I have uh, two immigrant doctors, one, uh, well, they're both from Asia, one Indian doctor and one from Southeast Asia. And uh, at least me as a immigrant to, to mm -hmm. this country, somehow there is a connection, yeah. you know. And then also in the past, I also have a, a white doctor mm -hmm. where he was, As, uh, an older gentleman. Sure. And uh, the questions that he asked, it was really, I, I like the service that he offered. Mm -hmm. With this younger doctor, uh, he was really nice and attended, but it was more, I felt it more like by the book. Mm. Boom, boom, boom. The questions really uh, didn't really flow as a conversation, more, uh, you know, that's what sure. I'm trying to say. So, sure. Immediately, I had that bias, like, ah, oh, I wish I had a, have a doctor with uh, more experience, sure. put it that way, because he has his, they asked me if it's okay if his uh, coach can come inside. So when they even told me that, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. why don't you give me that one? And he watched yeah, <laughs> how, yeah, how yeah, it's yeah. done. But um, I guess, but, and then I was thinking like, oh, well, I guess we all been, in that stage of the learning stage or those early years. Sure. But my bias kick in. Right. 
how do you get into this role? Yeah, into, no, to learn about bias and especially in the care delivery. Yeah, yeah, no, no it's, it's it's interesting and. and What's interesting about that is just like you'll have that experience. Sometimes there's older patients that we find that say, hey, they want a younger doctor because they want the younger doctor because he's going to be by the book and know more of the knowledge as opposed uh-huh. to the older doctors that are using outdated, you know, could That's potentially true. use outdated, you know, uh, you know, knowledge and, and, and different algorithms and whatnot. But, but it's interesting. I mean, you know, again, healthcare has become you know, more consumer centric, you know, just like any other service where people have choice now, people are paying attention to not only the service they receive, how much stuff costs, the value they get out of healthcare. Um, and so the voice of the patient matters now more than uh, ever in the past, um, or at least more, more than in, in recent decades, um, as it pertains to, again, uh, consumerism. And, and on the flip side, then, uh, you know, with healthcare being more competitive from a provider standpoint, it's important for healthcare systems and even small practices to take into account how patients or consumers uh, are feeling about them or, or how they evaluate them in order to make sure that they remain competitive and um, and, and maintain, you know, again, business, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as mentioned, I'm the medical director of patient experience for Mayo Clinic in Arizona. And so not only do we, you know, again, try to approach this thing kind of more holistically in terms of, you know, again, what type of um, uh, services and, 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 and how we present ourselves as an institution in order to not only attract patients, but make sure that patients have a favorable experience and recommend someone else to come back. But I'm also over, again, the, the, the details in terms of the patient experience surveys that are sent out on our behalf. And so uh, that's how I got, got wrapped into patient experience. And obviously, in overseeing the patient experience scores of, you know, again, a, uh, a large number of physicians that see a large number of patients in a large metropolitan area, uh, there's opportunity to look at trends and data, um, including, again, uh, you know, again, race and bias. How was your experience growing up getting checkups? Were you able... Because you shared also the the satisfaction uh, within black and Latino patients where they get a provider who looks like them. Sure. How was your growing up yeah, in yeah, St. Louis? That's a good question. I, uh, I, I grew up in St. Louis. We grew up in uh, predominantly African-American environments. Um, uh, my pediatrician growing up was, was a black female. Um, and, uh, and interestingly, St. Louis has a large number of African-American physicians, particularly older African-American physicians. There's some history behind that. So there's a hospital in St. Louis called Homer G. Phillips that was founded, I want to say, in 1937. And Homer G. Phillips was open between 1937 and 1979. One point was the largest black hospital in the United States, the largest uh, training hospital for African-Americans in the United States, not only for physicians, but for nurses. And so it was one of the only places where black physicians could be trained outside of places like Howard and Meharry, um, uh, certainly, um, you know, again, pre-civil rights movement and, uh, and, and, and going through, throughout that time period. And so because of that, there's this large history of black physicians that have come through St. Louis for their training, and many okay. of whom stayed, particularly because the city has a large African-American population. So there was always black physicians around um, in St. Louis that allowed uh, black patients to essentially have, have a choice to uh, see a black physician if they so desire. 
So, um, so yeah, so I had uh, a black pediatrician growing up um, in St. Louis. And what about when you were doing your practices? What do you did your practice? Sure. Your, so when, when I when I first came out of residency, I went back mm-hmm. to practice in St. Louis. Okay. And uh, I was in uh, practice there before I came to Mayo. So I was in practice in St. Louis for several years. Um, I was head of the Black Physician Organization in St. Louis, which, again, a lot of history because of Homer G. Phillips. Black Physician Organization, which is called the National Medical Association, uh, was well over 100 years old in St. Louis. Um, and, again, like a lot of history, um, a lot of giants, if you will, uh, as I like to, to refer to them as, in terms of black health care, uh, black physician trailblazers that I got the chance to interact with once I went back to St. Louis as a physician. What would it be a recommendation um, for a patient yeah. if they want to bring... Um, this topic to when they're trying to set up an appointment or when is the best time to yeah to to have this conversation with the sure, appointment sure. No, department yeah and, and that's a it's interesting that's a great question it's an interesting question i think it's a question that needs to be talked about and explored a lot you know um as an institution at, at mayo we we don't request from a policy standpoint, or we don't accept uh, from a policy standpoint requests for providers based upon age, gender, sex, um, other uh, factors that are, are thought to be um, irrelevant to the clinical care that, that's provided. Um, again, uh, however, I think that that, that is uh, an interesting conversation where, where you have to be careful with those type of requests is you don't want to lend a pass for discrimination. Um, and so um, just like you may mention, you know, African-American or Latino patients and saying, hey, you know, again, you know, hey, I'm, I'm African-American or I'm Latino. And, and, you know, if there's an African-American or Latino provider, I would really like it, whether it be, again, because of cultural differences, history of racism in this country and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that most people can at least kind of understand and empathize with that. Uh, but what about the people? What about the flip side? What about the folks that say, "Hey, I'm a white, uh, I'm a white female, and I'd rather see a, a, a white person." Um, and so I think that's some of the basis for the policy where um, we want to make sure that we don't uh, encourage double standards. We want to make sure that we don't um, encourage any type of discrimination. I think the but in it, though, is that, um, again, there are certain groups in this country that have been marginalized. Um, uh, those certain groups in this country that have been victims of systemic racism. Um, and there's data to suggest that Certain groups, which have been marginalized, have been the victims of systemic racism, um, you know, do fare better uh, when they have access to physicians that look and talk um, and have the shared experiences as them. Um, And that becomes important when you talk about those improved experiences translating to improved health care, because that's what this is about. So I always say that, you know, again, this is a conversation that needs to continue to, to be had. There's no easy right answer or wrong answer, um, but I think the dialogue is important uh, to make sure that we get it right so that we do what's best for our patients at the end of the day. Yeah, and you also mentioned on your next steps, uh, would it be also when when institutions trying to hire those doctors, yeah. how to channel them and, and, sure. and provide environment for them to sure, succeed. Sure, sure, yeah, create, create, creating uh, welcoming environments for, for anyone, which I think is the, the goal of inclusion. I think that that's important. When, and I think it also gets to that piece of being uh, intentional with diversity efforts 
to make sure that um, we aren't um, uh, getting folks in, in, in checkbox only, uh, that we're getting people that are going to be um, committed uh, to improving the, the groups that they're representing, um, you know, whether it be directly or indirectly um, in terms of benefiting or, or, or furthering uh, the health of those groups. Uh, Dr. Uh, what is your take on bias versus um, stereotypes? Sure. Or, you know. Yeah, the, I, the, I, the, I think the stereotypes feed into bias. Um, I think stereotypes are, are, are the basis behind bias. And, uh, and I think that they're best well served with, number one, um, talking things out. And then, number two, um, exposure. And so yeah. again, I, and I think again, that's another benefit of diversity um, is again not just making sure that you know we have uh, you know black patients, to, black providers rather to service our black patients or Latino providers to service our Latino patients, is to make sure that our black providers, our Latino providers, also um, educate and help check stereotypes that the other providers may have, and vice versa, is to make sure that our black providers, um, uh, you know, their stereotypes against Latino patients or white patients or Asian patients are, are checked, and I think that those are the benefits of diversity when you have exposure to certain groups, and not just exposure of one person, but exposure of several different types of people. Again, a diverse number of, of, of black people, a diverse number of, of, of Latinos, you know, again, from different backgrounds, um, and that helps us to not put people in a box. You mentioned also that you're working almost in about to publish a article. Can you share a little bit about it, or you want to wait until it's sure? No, 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 no. Yeah, so so yeah, it was an article accepted in Academic Medicine that that speaks to some of the things we talked about um, as it pertains to African Americans in medicine, and so African Americans remain significantly underrepresented in medicine, and in fact. The uh, trend and number of black males that have been accepted to medical school has remained relatively flat since 1978. What's changed, wow. interestingly, um, is that uh, since 1978 to now, the composition of those black male physicians, or black male medical students rather, have now become majority uh, uh, members of black subgroups that are non-African American. If you define African American as those with a uh, history of slavery and Jim Crow, and so um, when you when you when you talk about that number and why that number is significant, again that number is significant because again there's data that shows that more African American physicians um, that can see black patients can have a positive effect on black health outcomes. That again feeds into um, the fact that. Uh, you know, again, blacks have significantly lower life expectancy uh, than than whites, and um, you know, again, have higher rates of death of again, nine of the fifteen leading causes of of, of death in this country. So, um, so it's important. It's a public health uh, a matter of public health when you talk about uh, diversity within African American community and uh, making sure that we are adequately um, uh, recruiting. And retaining uh, African Americans uh, within the healthcare system. Doctor, thank you so much. I know yeah. you have to run to yeah. another appointment. Thanks for having me. I made me. it, and uh, thank you for accepting 
to talk with us. And I want to invite everybody to share this episode with friends and family. You can find this episode on, on iTunes under Community Board Podcast, on SoundCloud also under Community Board Podcast. Find us on Twitter, retweet, under, find us under Community Board, on Facebook also under Community Board and doctor thank you again yeah. and please come back and share every time that you are by here in the north yeah thank you thank you and good luck with your teams sounds good thanks bye-bye well last time i talked to the people from downtown what was the last movie you went to miguel what's new miguel what's new in the community have you gotten any feedback about the twitter first of all for the people who contact us on twitter about a certain research Can you tell me more? Well, depends who you talk, if you talk to the people from the board. Why did the yogurt go to the art museum? Did you see in the news? To get more culture.